back to. I'm telling you right there. God bless you, my stars. If you have your Bibles, please join me in Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. Uh, we're going to end up here. Gentlemen in the back, let me just encourage you. I want you to leave that, that screenshot right there up the entire time. I don't quite know that I'm going to stick with my notes this morning. Uh, I got more preaching. I got time. But uh, I tell you what, I'm overflowing today. I looked up there in the choir, people wiping tears from their eyes. Truly understanding the gravity of what God did for us giving us his only begotten son to die on Calvary's cross. And thanks be unto God, the grave could not hold him. And thanks be unto God that salvation is for whosoever. Whoever will come to Jesus can and will be saved. For those of you in the foyer, thank you for being flexible. I hope that you're comfortable out there. Uh, I hope that you're able to worship uh, where you're sitting in the foyer, I would ask that those that are in the hallways, workers, please be mindful and sensitive to those that are worshiping in our foyer. I'd greatly, greatly appreciate that. Uh, notice, would, if you would, Matthew chapter 28. I'd like to start actually just a few verses up in chapter number 27. I want to start in verse 62 this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse number 62. If you're able to stand, would you please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Notice what the Scripture says. Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together into Pilate saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, he's speaking of Jesus there, While he was yet alive, after three days I'll rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure unto the third day lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. Verse 66. So they went, and they made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. He said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before unto you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and they held him by his feet and they worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that go into Galilee. There shall ye see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch 
came into this city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money to the soldiers saying, Say this, say his disciples came by night and stole him away while, he was sleep, while we were sleeping. And this has come to the governor's ears. We will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. You may be seated. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. I'd like for you to turn, if you would, and find in your Bibles Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. Paul was in a Roman prison. He was chained to a guard and he was writing a letter to the church at Philippi. He was encouraging them in their current situation. Persecution was strong. The church needed some encouragement. And Paul, as he penned these words in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, talked about in chapter 3 about winning people to Jesus Christ. And as he communicated this truth, he was saying, beware of the false teachers, beware of the false prophets. He, he actually called them dogs. He said, beware of the dogs that are out there, those vicious, ugly dogs. Be careful of the evil workers that are out there. He says what we really need more than anything is to know the true resurrected Christ. And then he says something in verse 10 that is so powerful. He says in verse number 10 of chapter 3 that I may know him. Paul says I want to know him in such a way I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable into his death, if by any means I might attain the resurrection of the dead, not as though I've already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul basically said this, the greatest power on the planet is the power of the resurrection. It's greater than anything. It's greater than any storm that might pass through your town. It's greater than any earthquake that you might encounter. It's greater than any concert that you might go to. The greatest thing you'll ever experience in your life is the power of the resurrection. For it's the power of the resurrection that will save your lost soul. As a matter of fact, when we look at the scriptures and we see this wonderful narrative in all four gospels of how the disciples proclaimed and showed forth this glorious resurrection story. Matthew, in particular, said some amazing things about the change that the power of the resurrection uh, occurs. When the power of the resurrection showed up, then, friends, things began to change. What do you mean things began to change, preacher? Well, when you look at the Word of God, you find there are several things. I don't know how many I'm going to get to this morning, but I want to show you as many as I can the power of the resurrection and how things changed. Number one, the first thing I want you to think about is the power of the resurrection changed some from pride to panic. The power of the resurrection changed some from pride to panic. We find this narrative in Matthew chapter 27 and 28. We find the chief priests and the Pharisees going to Pilate and they're saying, Pilate, we heard when the deceiver, when Jesus was alive, 
We heard him say that he, when he died, he will come back to life in three days. If this happens, what we saw there on Friday when he came into Jerusalem and the palm trees going out and people saying, Hosanna, what we saw then will pale in comparison when this happens. They said that the error will be worse the second time rather than it was the first. So what we're asking you, Pilate, is simply this. We want a legion. We want to watch. We want a group of your finest soldiers. And we want to put them there at the tomb because we don't want the disciples coming in and stealing the body away. And Pilate said, you'll get your watch. As a matter of fact, notice what the scripture says. If you have your pens, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I want you to notice verse number 65 there in chapter 27 of Matthew. He tells us there in the text, Pilate said, ye have a watch. Pilate simply said this, you got the A-team. You don't have the B-team. You don't have the scrubs. We're not giving you just some people to stand up there and make sure nobody comes. You got the very best. You have the elite. You can say at the tomb, you've got maximum security. And I can see those big, hefty, strong soldiers full of pride being there in Pilate's army. And they show up on the scene, and there's a great number of them. And the fact the Bible tells us here in verse number 66, just specifically what this is all about. He says there, Pilate says, make it as sure as you can. And in verse 66, the Bible says, so they went and they made the sepulcher sure. The word sure there in this passage of Scripture is the same word that Paul uses over in the book of Philippians that describes his current situation. He says, I'm chained to a Roman guard, and he says, regardless of the state that I'm in, I'm in prison, it doesn't look good, I'm in here for the gospel's sake, I'm chained to this soldier. He says, I'm in a very dire situation, but greater is he that's in me than him that I'm chained to. Thank God he had Jesus Christ in his heart. And so we find here this same word, it was sure. Just as Paul wasn't going anywhere, they didn't think Jesus was getting anywhere either. It was made sure. The guards were simply saying this, we got this thing buttoned down so tight, not even a fly will be allowed to land on the tomb. Number two, the scripture also says in verse number 66 that they sealed the stone. You see it there in the text? Sealing the stone. The word sealed there means to place a stamp upon. They were so confident, the guards were so confident that the tomb was sealed that they put the Roman signia on there and saying, we're here now, don't even think about it. We are not going to let anybody in this tomb. Just forget about it. We see that it was sealed. And then not only was it sealed, not only was it sure, the Bible also tells us that they set a watch. Notice the scripture. And setting a watch. You see that in verse 66. I'd underline that word setting. The word setting here is a very fascinating Greek word. It means with, after, and behind. It simply communicates this truth. That those Roman soldiers, every one of them that was there, was with the tomb. They were with the stone at the tomb. They were there. They were with it. But then it also gives us the idea, if you would, that, the, that it means they were uh, after the stone. So what does that mean? 
That means that being after the stone, they had kind of a semicircle around it. They were after it. You had the stone, and then they were. They were here, and then after that, there they were. They were surrounded there, circumferencing the stone, saying, nope, nobody's getting in here. And these were bad dudes. These were the best of the best. Nobody's going to get the body of Jesus. Don't even think about coming any closer. The Bible says it was set. They were there. They were with it. They were after it. And then notice it. Look at what the scripture says. They were also behind it. The word behind means to surround. So not only were they in the front of the stone, they were back behind the stone too. They had that thing surrounded. You would have thought that they had a bazillion dollars in that tomb. What they didn't know is that they had the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And they said nothing is going to come in here. One day passed. We told y'all. I can see the reporter now as he comes down uh, the next morning and he interviews the head there uh, of, the, of the guards and he said, how'd it go last night? It's boring. Ain't nobody, nobody's coming around here. They take one look at us. They are not even coming around. Let me ask you this, Mr. Reporter. Where are the disciples? They won't even come and pay their respects. By the way, the disciples were hiding. The Bible says, the Word of God says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. The shepherd was struck and the sheep went scattering all over the place. And they were hiding. They were fearful. And those guards were proud. Nothing, we said, nothing is going to come in this team. Now go put that in the Roman Gazette. And off they went. Day two. They came back the second day and they said, how'd it go that yesterday? Oh, it's much the same. I hate to tell you this, but that cat in there is dead. He ain't going nowhere, and ain't nobody coming in to get him. We've got 24 more hours, and we can go back to better things. We can go back to conquering the world. We'll take this blamed seal off this door, and we'll go put this seal in another city that we're going to conquer. This is a waste of time. I cannot believe that they allowed for us, the head guards, the A-team, the finest of the finest, to guard this tomb. Now go put that in the, in the gazette. And off they went. And then the sun set. And in the morning, as the sun broke there in the horizon, the ground began to shake. And like lightning from heaven, it shot down. And the Bible tells us, look at verse number 28. The Bible says that at the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, oh, thank God for brave women. Can I get a witness right there? Thank God for the women. Here she comes to do the job. Somebody's got to do it, and they're going to do it. And here comes Mary Magdalene. And as she's coming, the Bible tells us there, as she came to the sepulcher, the other Mary came with her, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Bless God, I wonder what they did. They probably grabbed hold of a tree and said, Woo, what in the world is going on here? And then the Bible says, And behold, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. He came and he rolled back the stone from the door and then he sat down on it. Bless God, they shouldn't have worried about a fly laying on the stone for the Savior landed there on the stone through the Lord and the angel. Thank God for him being here today. The Bible goes on to say there in the text, he says the angel of the Lord. By the way, let me just say that. You see that? The angel of the Lord, that's called a theophany. It's a theophany. It's a picture of the Lord before he's in his physical body. 
So we find the angel of the Lord is there, and he sat down on the rock. And then notice what he says there in verse number 3. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear, here it is, for him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Man, you talk about a scared bunch of sissies. They fell out on the floor. They passed out, and I could see them laying on the floor. They probably, one of them probably laid down there and was peeping his eye up like this right here going, Are we still alive? And the Bible tells us that the angel answered and said unto the women, Don't you be afraid. I know who you're seeking. You're seeking Jesus. He was crucified. But he's not not here. (laughs) Nobody came in and got him. The stole rolled away, and he came out. The guards should have been concerned, not about somebody breaking in to steal the body, but watching the Savior come out. They went from a point of pride to a point of panic. Dear friend, we're living in a world today where we're panicked over so many things today. We are absolutely beside ourselves fearful. We're fearful of this. We're fearful of that. We're fearful for everything. We're fearful of all the things. And man, we are panicking in our society today. Let me tell you what the cure for panic is. The Prince of Peace. He's the cure for panic. The power of the resurrection can lead some from pride to panic. Number two, let me show you a second thing. The second thing I want you to notice is the power of the resurrection changed some from fear to faith. Changed some from fear to faith. Over in John's gospel, when John was giving the explanation of this wonderful uh, 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 resurrection story, he tells us that the disciples were caught up in a room somewhere. They had locked themselves up, and they were scared, and they were fearful of the things that were happening. They didn't want to come out. Now, we also know that the fear led during Jesus' crucifixion while he was being beat. We know that Peter denied the Lord three times because of fear. The disciples were greatly afraid. But that all changed after the resurrection. The power of the resurrection can change someone from fear to faith. And that's exactly what happened. You remember the day of Pentecost? With such boldness, the word of God was preached from these men who had engaged and encountered the power of the resurrection. Man, we're living in a day where we're fearful of a lot of things. Some of us are fearful of death. Some of us are fearful of disease. Some of us are fearful of of darkness and depression and discouragement. But I'm here to tell you, you never have to live in fear anymore because the power of the resurrection can set you free. The power of the resurrection. Did you know that you were fashioned for faith and not fear? Solomon said in the Old Testament, the Bible says, he says, you have a God-shaped vacuum in your heart. God has put eternity in your heart. You know you're not going to live forever. You don't need to fear that. You need to embrace it and know that Jesus Christ through the cross is the bridge for you to get to heaven. Dear friend, faith is your homeland, not fear. Fear will always lead to anxiety, but faith will always lead to the Almighty. Fear will lead to bondage, but faith will lead to a breakthrough. Fear leads to concern, but faith leads to confidence. Fear leads to death. Faith leads to deliverance. Fear leads to error. Faith leads to everlasting. Fear leads to failure. Faith leads to freedom. 
Fear leads to grumbling. Faith leads to glory. Fear leads to humiliation. Faith leads to holiness. Fear leads to insecurity. But faith leads to immortality. Fear leads to judging. But faith leads to justification. Fear leads to killing. Faith leads to the kingdom. Fear leads to loss. Faith leads to life. Fear leads to mourning, but faith leads to mountain moving. Fear leads to, ne- to the negative, but faith leads to the nations. Fear leads to outcry, but faith leads only to Jesus. Fear leads to panic, but faith leads to praise. Fear leads to quitting, but faith leads to qualification. Fear leads to ruin, but faith leads to the resurrection. Fear leads to sadness, but faith leads to salvation. Fear leads to trembling, but the faith leads to the empty tomb. Fear leads to uneasiness, but faith leads to undeniable. Fear leads to violence, but faith leads to victory. Fear leads to worry, but faith leads to worship. Fear leads to lives that are exed out, But faith leads to sin that's exed out. I'm telling you what fear leads to yielding to sin. But faith leads to yielding to the Savior. Faith will lead you to a fear leads you to a zero. But faith will lead you to Zion. From A to C, it's better to be following the Lord in faith and stop being fearful. And the way you do that is you trust the power of the resurrection. It's the power of the resurrection. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are you fearful of? Some of us today are fearful of death. Oh, dear friend, death is but a doorway. Let me show you another thing very quickly. The power of the resurrection changed some from despair to delight. From despair to delight. In John chapter 20, in verses 11 through 18... The narrative converses and and casts its uh, subject upon Mary. Mary Magdalene, she loved Jesus. She was so very close to him. Uh, Jesus had drove those demons out of her. And Mary and the other women uh, who supported the ministry of Jesus, they loved Jesus with all their hearts. They were there at the cross. They were there to anoint Jesus' body there at the tomb. Mary is understandably very upset. And can you imagine when that earthquake began to happen? Oh, how concerned that she was. Oh, how much in despair that she was. Somebody has taken the Lord's body. Who in the world has done it? And then the angel of the Lord said, Do not fear. For he's alive. Jesus is alive. And she changed from despair to delight. Because she knew who Jesus was. Oh, dear friend, listen to me this morning, please. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in pride. You don't have to live in despair. Because Jesus can change your world. The power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection can also change you from confusion to confidence. From confusion to confidence. Bless God, I ain't never seen a confused nation in my life. We are living in such a confused culture. We don't know if we're men, women, cows, or horses. Say, preacher, that ain't, that ain't very politically correct. I'm telling you what's the truth. We're confused. If we'd get back to the Prince of Peace, we'd stop, stop worrying about political correctness and start worrying about the Christ who died on Calvary for our sins. I've never seen such a confused 
nation that we live in. Our culture is so radically confused. And what a great and awesome time for you and I as born-again children of God to look at the culture and say the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is not some form of religious activity. No, 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 listen. The answer is the Savior. Today we are living in such a day where the confusion has bled into salvation in regards to even our churches are confused. Our churches are confused in the, in the way that a man is supposed to, or a woman or a person is supposed to get to heaven. And you have one uh, sect over here saying, in order for you to get to heaven, you've got to go through this confirmation class. And once you get through that class, we're going to sign your name up, and then you'll be born again. And then on the other hand, you've got another uh, religious group out there, a sect that says, no, in order for you to go to heaven, what you've got to do is you've got to follow these sacraments. You, you've got to do these seven things. And then maybe, just maybe, when you die, somebody will pay your way out of heaven by getting, giving it to the church. Problem is, that ain't what the Scripture says. Then, bless God, you got another group over here that says, well, I'm going to tell you, the only way to get to heaven is you got to come over here in the water and you got to get baptized. I mean, you got to get down there and wash your sins away. You know what this is? That ain't nothing but water. It ain't holy. There ain't nothing holy about that water. That's water. That is a picture, the Bible says, of being buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. There is no pool that can wash your sins away outside the pool of the blood of Jesus. Jesus. Hey, listen, the hymn writer's got it right. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Let's say it together. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Man, I'm here to tell you, you can be baptized till you'll know every tadpole's name in every pond from here to Buck Tussle, Alabama, and still be lost and go to hell. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me you can't get to heaven by going through some class you can't get to heaven by going through some sacrament you can't get to heaven by going through some water you can only go to heaven by going through the blood of Jesus and it's the power of the resurrection at that See, you don't have to be confused if you're if you're confused it's because you're living in a state of confusion the Word of God is truth. The Bible has given us truth. And the Bible says the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn, if you will. Let's move over to Romans very quickly. Notice what the Scripture says here. In Romans chapter 10, Israel was rejecting Jesus Christ at this stage. And I want you to notice what Paul says to the Romans. Notice verse number 9 of chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, 
Verse 9. Man, I'd have my pen ready. I'd, I'd star this verse, underline it, highlight it, put an asterisk by it. I'm telling you what, I would absolutely do something to call my attention to this verse anytime I, I, I walk through Romans. Notice what the scripture says beginning in verse 9. He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And then look at verse 12. He throws this in here just for kicks. He says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How in the world can we get so confused when the scripture is so plain? Can I ask you this question? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? So oh, sure I know Jesus. I mean, he, this is the day. I mean, look, I'm here. I'm, I'm here because I know Jesus. Jesus, was, he was resurrected. That's why I'm here. Okay, let me ask you another question. Does Jesus know you? Ma'am, does Jesus know you? Sir, does he know you? See, we can know about Jesus all day long, but the question really is, not necessarily do we know him, but does he know us? And according to the word of God, the Bible says if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, I think it's amazing that the mouth is in the middle between the mind and the heart. Because you can think about Jesus and know him, but the scripture wants you to confess him and trust him. Have you ever trusted Christ as Savior? There are some of you that are here today that you went through that confirmation class. And you came out just as lost as when you went in it. There are some of you today that have practiced those sacraments. And you're just as lost today as the first time you were baptized as an infant. There are some of you that went through these waters thinking that you were going to be saved just by getting in the water and coming out clean. Dear friend, I hate to tell you, you went in a sinner and you came out a sinner. The only way to get to heaven is what Paul said in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God is, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, only Jesus can save your soul. Not classes, not sacraments, not water, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's bow for prayer. Maybe you're here today and maybe you were tired of playing those games. Some of you here went at a very young age and you took a preacher by the hand. And that preacher put your name down on a sheet of paper and you ended up on a roll. But your name's been never, has never been recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. Dear friend, today's the day of your salvation. Today's the day that you can be saved. Some of you are listening by way of video. You're listening online. And you have played, you have played religion your whole life. And you have never stopped and paused and truly understood the scripture. And the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you right now. Dear friend, in this room and all over, the Holy Spirit is moving in such a mighty capacity. 
He is calling you to be saved. He's calling you to leave behind the thought of being saved in thinking that you're, that you're going to heaven. And is calling you to a position to know that you're going to heaven. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Dear friend, you can know that today. Say, preacher, help me. Would you help me? I want to know. I want to know. Will you help me? Then, dear friend, watch this. To the best of your ability, right where you're sitting, if you'll call out to God, you'll say, God, I believe. Not just with my head, but I believe with my heart. By faith, I know that Jesus is the Messiah. Dear friend, if you're here today and you might say, Preacher, could you help me with that? That's what I want to communicate to God more than anything. Then from your heart to God's heart, right where you're sitting, right where you're lying in your bed, ma'am, wherever you are, would you cry out to the Lord and say something like this? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. The only Son of God. And this morning I ask Him to save my soul. This morning I repent of my sin. And I trust Jesus as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.